Kitchen Rudimental, uh, a new series here on Blueprint for Living in which Annie Smithers will investigate the very basics of kitchen craft. Regular listeners to the Annie Smithers segment will know that last time we talked about the mother sources. We did, did, and how old-fashioned they are. They were very old-fashioned, not so much mother sources as maiden aunt sources. I sort of sometimes think that this whole French cooking sauce thing is a little bit like the European uh, royal families of the turn of the 19th to 20th century, where they were all related. (laughs) And some of them just had to go, and some of them are still sticking around. However, we have moved on from those creamy, roux-based Frenchy sauces. There's a new vocabulary in town. Well, there is a new vocabulary in town. So we we established that we quite like bechamel and hollandaise to stay. We We talked about the fact that we think that tomato sauce should not be thickened with a roux and that we could just make a really nice Napoli. Now, if you were making a more constructed tomato sauce other than just cooking down your beautiful ripe summer tomatoes, how would you go about it? Well, I'd I'd be adding stuff to that as a basic thing. So I'd be adding, it could just be some some basil, it might just be some chilli, it might be a little bit of salami and some olives, a splash of red wine, it might Mm. be some sausage meat. If I'm making a complex tomato sauce, I suppose I would start by sweating down some onions and some garlic and herbs in olive oil. And then adding the tomato. Oh, yeah, sorry, I left that bit out. Did you leave that bit out? I did. I would have done that first. You would have done that first. (laughs) And then, of course, as you say, it it can graduate into all sorts of things. And that tomato sauce can then be used to make something like a bolognese or a, a beautiful pork and fennel. That complex tomato sauce that's already got some building blocks of flavour can then be added to other things to make something truly glorious. Is there a better combination of things, just quietly, than tomato, pork and fennel? I mean, it's pretty good. I know. And do you know what it is absolutely beautiful in? I make a a sauce out of leftover Toulouse sausages Mm. that have got a lot of black pepper in them. If I don't have enough sausage casings I have the mince left over that's pre-seasoned and pre-minced and I tend to sweat off some onions and garlic and then some fennel seeds in that and then add the pork mince and then I add the tomato sauce and then after that's cooked for a few hours is then I make my bechamel and then I make a lasagna with a pork and fennel Type oh, tomato God. sauce, and it is it is to die for. And he behave. I will, I, I will put. I will give you that recipe. That oh, can yes, be your please. recipe of the day if you like. Who'd, who'd like to have that recipe? Oh, Show it, of hands. It's just, a, it's just a beautiful thing. So a good tomato sauce, I don't think, really relies on a roux anymore. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where that came from and where it went, but it's gone. It's been relegated to the multinational. Let's trust the Italians with the tomato sauce regime, I think. We'll not turn to the French. We will not <laughs> trust the French with tomato sauce. Then there's this, yeah, that Espanol that I talked about that some, it just beggars belief what it's, it's just all wrong for me. And I think that in restaurant land, one of the things that we turned to uh, was veal stock. So veal stock has a very different consistency to beef stock because of the amount of gelatin in it. Mm-hmm. And when you reduce veal stock, you get a very viscous and delicious consistency without needing to thicken it and an intensity of flavour. 
And while it used to be the premise of restaurants alone, and I still make one of the things I do is I make veal stock every week and I reduce 100 litres down to 20 litres and that's my life and I just do that all the time. It's a time-consuming process and it's now possible to buy reduced veal stock both on a commercial level and in on a domestic level. And it gives the general household a tool or an ingredient that mm. can be used very much like Espanol with a much nicer taste. So, for example, a good reduced veal stock, you can reduce some red wine and then just add a bit of that and you've got a red wine sauce. You can flame a bit of brandy in a pan and add some green peppercorns, reduce a bit of cream, add a nugget of, you know, reduced veal stock into it and you've got a beautiful creamy green pepper sauce. Same with mustard. You can do you know, the sauces with mushrooms, all of those classic sauces that technically should have been made with Espanol. You can now make with a reduced veal stock. It doesn't include any flour, any roux, any butter, just that pure reduced stock. Just I mean, for the sake of recap, the Espanol was a, a roux sauce, but where the, the, the roux was browned. It, it was, was brown to create colour and it was browned, you know, and then tomato paste was added, then beef stock was added. And so it would have had, it has a much more cloying taste that as much as the velouté sauces were bland, the Espanol seems completely overcrowded with mm. yeah, intense flavours. So we've streamlined that a bit where it is a, a much more modern thing these days that is much nicer. There'll be some among us who are not keen on the whole veal stock idea, but I'm guessing that it's most often paired with things that people who don't like veal stock won't like anyway. <laughs> That's true. And look, veal is the very contentious issue. When you when you do buy veal bones, they're usually from beasts that are, you know, six months old plus. So at the moment, my veal bones are somewhere between vealers and, and yearlings. And in true veal stock, there's no fat. So that's another thing. And there's a lot more gelatin, whereas the ones that I'm cooking at the moment are that little bit older and you can see on the on the bones that the flesh is redder and there is a bit of fat on the stock. So it, it moves it into that, that sort of greater yeah. area. Then, of course, I mean, we're still sort of nestled in Europe here in our, our thinking. We are. And there's one more source that I'd like to talk about. On before the, we leave the continent. Before we leave the continent. And that is that is a funny old French sauce called a beurre blanc. Now, that's a white butter sauce. And for me, it's a sauce... Oh, listen to the rain. Oh, more rain. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a sauce that has gone out of fashion but seems to be coming back a little bit and it's a preparation where you can do it two ways. There's one that's more stable than the other and one that I prefer, the more stable one I prefer because I like the, the texture a bit better. But you make a reduction of wine, so white wine with some aromatics like finely diced shallot, uh, bay leaf, pepper. So again, you've got that link back to, say, your little your little onion that's studded with flavours for your bechamel, you're using the same sort of flavourings, but you're reducing wine down to a syrup. And then I reduce a little 
cream in that and that's the stability factor because you can then just put the butter into it if you don't put the cream in it you can put the butter into it very carefully if you do put the cream in it and reduce it a bit you've got a little bit more margin for error and then you actually whisk whole butter into it so the butter melts but doesn't separate because again a little like the hollandaise it's this balance of um, temperatures so that you've got this beautifully formed silky sauce which is a little reminiscent in its texture to the velvet sauce the velouté but again has no flour or roux base mm. to it and it is a delightful you know, sauce for things like fish it dresses up fish to restaurant quality fish like nothing else the look in her eye <laughs> there's hundreds of sauces there's the mayonnaise family yeah, of which is yeah, endless of what you can add to mayonnaise. And then there's the dressing family. Are dressings a dressing or are they a sauce? I mean, it's such a... I, you know, we talk about restaurant or home cooking and the sauce part of things is often, the, I, I suspect, I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody in a home, but is, is the bit that the home cook will perhaps be less either less experimental with or less likely to incorporate into a into a dish. Back in the day when I was an apprentice there was a little station at Stephanie's where there were all the sauces kept warm for every single dish and they were all in a little saucepan or a jug or a yeah and each dish had a specific sauce and going back even further than that is in the big kitchen brigades you'd actually have a saucier. So there was a position in the kitchen of somebody who simply made the sauces. So they made the stocks, they made the sauces. That was their detail. And so it is a very restaurant-generated thing. But with, you know, in talking about the reduced veal stock and things that you can now buy, is that if you are cooking a, you know, if you're cooking a steak at home and you want a steak with a Diane sauce, it is much easier to make those sauces now than it used to be. And it's, it really dresses up the occasion. It's the, it's the dressing. You know, it's that making it special. But it, I mean, it goes to the very the, the foundational premise of, of these conversations that you and I have had over the years. It's a rudimental. It is. And, and what does that mean? Well, it means those elements of, of cooking vocabulary that with familiarity can just expand the, the quality and the horizons of what you're doing, you know, so much in a, in a home kitchen. And also incorporate a lot of technique that sometimes, mm. you know, is missing from your basic but, preparation. But nail, nail that technique and suddenly a whole world of possibilities opens up before you. Absolutely. Then off, off continent, there's so many little finishing touches, you know, if we talk about the Italians and, you know, tomato sauce, obviously, but the beautiful, you know, the beautiful way that the Italians use brown butter brown butter sage and parmesan on things is one of life's great gifts you know the sauce that can go on a salt and bocca with sort of the lemon and you know it's just each country has its own beautiful traditions with sauce you know the english have bread sauce it's not something i've loved or understood <laughs> but there are people who have had beautiful bread sauces who swear by it and then there's dessert sauces do you like custard? I love custard. And coolies. Excuse me? Are oh, coolies. 
coolies have gone out a bit with um, Palutos, haven't Isn't they? Isn't it funny, though? I mean, the way things come and go, and it's not necessarily just about effort or complication. It's just fashions in, it's it's fashions fashion. in style it's and fashion. taste. So I think that you, know, you would remember that yeah, some years ago, Restaurant Land was fascinated with purees. Mm. Yeah, and you'd have the smears. Remember the smears on the plates of every, every single form of puree? Years ago, when I had my little shop in Kyneton, we had, um, it was the era of foams and all of those molecular sort of gastronomy type thing. And I'm you know, unashamedly locked in my little time warp of how I make sauces. And for pork, I would make a sauce that was reduced cream with seedy mustard in it and veal jus. And it was delicious. I thought it was delicious. People on the staff would go and find a bread roll and if there was a leftover pork sauce pan and they'd clean it out with their bread roll. We also had a sauce at some stage that was an incredibly modern and beautifully constructed sauce that was milk that had been infused with hock and bacon bones. So it had that beautiful smoky porky flavour and then it had some lecithin added to it and it was pulsed with a hand blender so that it created this stable foam that was sourced over, you know, the pork you know, in the same way that I would have sourced my pork with mm. the mustard thing, no one ever brought their bread roll. Brought their bread roll for the foam, <laughs> and I think that's I think, but I think that says a yeah. lot. Yeah. So, but it it was about trend and fashion and exploring new ideas and pushing the boundaries out and learning things that we hadn't learned before. Yeah, as I said, call me old fashioned, but I prefer the older version, but some people don't, and that's okay too. I think it's our great good fortune. I mean, and you never sort of want to fall in the trap of thinking that the current situation is some sort of, you know, permanent present, but we've got the great good fortune right now to have simple hearty flavour yeah. as being just the cornerstone of what is fashionable, and that's, that's a moment to be in. It is a very lovely moment to be in because we do get to enjoy more simple food that is bold in flavour but not overworked as some food can be. Annie, what a treat uh, and a reminder to all that the recipe for the most exquisite lasagna... <laughs> oh, I'm on the, I'm, I'm, I'm on, on the uh, testy pot here. What if people don't like it? They'll let you know. Oh, they'll let me know. If you try it out... And like it or don't like it, let us know. Um, we... No, I don't know if they don't like it. I'll feel like a failure. <laughs> that recipe for your delectation uh, on the Blueprint page at the ABC RN website. <sighs> Annie, what a treat. Sources. You're a treat, Jonathan. Thank a you, saucy treat. Bye. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.